Welcome to Shooting the Shit. I'm Alex. And I'm Oscar. We were random roommates. And now we're random best mates. In today's segment, as we continue with the subject of building connections, we're going to take a look at the fitness industry and have a chat with our good pal Kailash, an aspiring doctor and current personal trainer who has spent a lot of time building relations with various clients. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Kailash. Would you like to introduce yourself, maybe say how you know us and, you know, what you're up to these days and what's kept you busy? Oh, wow. I mean, first of all, thanks for having me. Honored to be on the show. And yeah, I'm lucky to know these two fellas from good old college days. Yeah, we were in the same freshman dorm neighbors, I think, right? We no, were we off, we were off by one. Practically off neighbors. by two, yeah. Off by two. Off by two, um, but it essentially felt like you were right next door. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, in my head, actually, when I think back to it, it's literally a blur. Like I walk out of my room, and then all of a sudden, I'm in your room. Like when I just mentally replay. But um, but yeah, no, it's uh, we've known each other since that freshman year in 2014. So it's going on what like six years now, I think. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, just good good guys good friends friendship that'll last the ages appreciate it and uh as far as as far as what i'm up to so in the application process for medical school right now kind of writing that out during the covid filling out applications and the like but i've been doing some personal training in the meantime kind of as a gap year thing kind of as also just something i wanted to do before i ran out of the time to really do it and so that's been kind of a fun way to just be back in in the, the hometown as it is and uh, interact with with people and kind of be be in the real world a little bit for for just a bit of time because it's 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 quite an eye-opening moment when you leave the bubble of not even just college and stanford but also just when you leave the bubble of school and education and i know i'll hop back in that bubble but you know being out of it for a time it's it's a good experience oh my gosh and i just one other thing i gotta add is like can't can't even believe i omitted this but uh but yeah in addition to just being friends i guess we were all workout partners as well back yeah. in the uh, <laughs> college days and that's an integral part that shouldn't be missed yes no definitely always a, a good basis and i think that's a good segue into sort of i guess the conversation that we'll have today we started off i think when i reached out to you kailesh uh, and thank you for responding we're doing sort of a segment in the series here on conversations and so I've never had a personal trainer, but I feel like throughout all my time at any gym, you always see personal trainers and they always seem like these cool figures helping others out. And when I thought of that and I thought of just knowing you as a super kind, friendly person and now knowing that you're a personal trainer, I thought that was like a great intersection of this topic of conversations and building relations. Would you say it is a critical part, you know, just to confirm of your day to day as a personal trainer? In terms of like, when you say like the conversation aspect, like, is that a a critical part? Yeah. And building that relation as you like guide people through these journeys of fitness and whatnot. Yeah, no, I would say I maybe had a hunch, but definitely didn't realize it until I actually got into it. But more than the exercise form or the cues or the workouts themselves, 90% of it is just how you connect with the person. 90% of it is for sure your ability to just be another human being and engage with them on that plane, you know, be able to, as the podcast says, you know, shoot the shit about whatever it is that they're coming into the session and then hopefully have them leave on a, on a different note. So it's like, you know, I'm there kind of coaching them on being safe throughout the workouts. And it's, it's kind of different than what I initially thought. Like I definitely went into it thinking like, all right, I, uh, I've spent all this time really learning how to properly do these exercises execute the form make sure you're safe and i'll probably just be like talking about technical things a lot of the time and then you get there and you realize oh one like that's just too high level a lot of the time and two people don't even want to hear that like when they're when they're (laughs) when they're like paying me for a session it's really like in a way it almost feels like they want someone who can help them out with this bit of information but they also want someone who's a friend like they want someone to talk to they want someone to to just engage on that human connection level. So I would say, you know, most of the time I'm, I'm not even talking too much about the cues besides the direct moment when they're doing something and you've got that in between rest moment. And it's like, uh, what are you going to cook for dinner? And it's like, ah, oh, I got some fresh masa. I'm going to make some such and such. Um, so, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's definitely different. And I think 
what I learned, but also probably what's led to my success over the last year and a half in being a personal trainer and kind of interacting with people and building a clientele has been just that open-mindedness and willingness to, I see you as another person. We're here, life is a journey and we're kind of going about our business. You know, where, where can we intersect and go from there? So to take kind of a, a little bit of a step back, could you give an idea of like where, where your clients are coming from if they like skew in like a certain demographic and like how are they finding you? Because the, the way you're describing it to me, I think kind of goes against the normal convention of what I imagine workout trainers to be or like, you know, the few trainers that I've seen you know, in passing at gyms, they're always kind of like barking orders, you know, like they're like, you know, 10 more, give me like three more good ones. You know, they're like, and I'm at a loss to imagine you in that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to be the drill sergeant. I can be that person, but I, I, it's not my style. Funny, but that's a great question. And so just to kind of like, I guess, add a little bit more when you, when you do have this conventional idea, is it purely just the like, you're telling them like drop and give me 20 and like you know do do the reps or is there anything else that comes to mind when you think personal trainer i mean i as someone who also like doesn't have a train has never had the trainer um it i imagine it as also someone like it, it's weird because i have that concept of a trainer but then i also have the concept that you um embody which is the person who kind of like has those intersections in your life who kind of like knows what's going on in the rest of your life almost like a like a work spouse you know yeah, someone that yeah. you see like at a a regular interval sure. and then you kind of catch them up on what's going on yeah no um i, I think that's a good that's a good way to put it but uh yeah so I'll, i guess i'll, I'll backstep because actually i don't think i really ever talked to anyone from from the college days about how I went about approaching or even starting the, the being a personal trainer, partly because I think it does really have that sort of rap, if you will, where it's like everyone, you see them at every gym. So you just assume they're always there and you think it's kind of always the same sort of transactional approach. Like I'll dish out this amount of cash for this amount of workouts or whatever it is. And then you just tell me how many to do and what to do. So I, Basically in the kind of, I guess, maybe winter quarter, spring quarter of senior year, I just started kind of looking at some of the gyms and fitness places near, near where I lived in Georgia. And so it's a suburban area. I just started looking at some of the, some of the different chains. And I, in my head, kind of thought about the one that I used to go to when I was in high school and, and middle school, which is um, the chain Lifetime Fitness. And I don't know, I don't know that it, it's super popular on the West Coast yet, they are starting to expand there, but it started in like Minnesota and it's kind of expanded more on the East Coast. Is there any in Texas that you know of, Alex? Or like you should have? <laughs> no, <laughs> just a confirmational nod. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I would I would describe it as like, it. it's like maybe mid-tier, upper mid-tier sort of gym. And I say that in terms of like, if you look just on a scale of, you have your, your like your, the a ubiquitous gym, like the LA fitness, the 24 hour fitness, you've got the gold's gym, you've got the um, workout anytime. And then you've got like Equinox, which is all the way up here. And it's like this hyper exclusive boutique gym. And they're at least a chain. Then you have all these like extremely boutique gyms, which are like, you know, uh, Oscar and I would talk about this all the time because our like favorite fitness influencers would be like, yeah, I'm opening up a gym. And that's an example, I think of like something that is very one-off, usually has a certain kind of slant, like maybe they're more CrossFit, maybe they're bodybuilder, maybe they're power lifter. And so they like skew towards a certain demographic right off the bat. Um, like one that you guys may have heard of, it's in Sacramento called Untamed Strength. And this guy on YouTube, like a modest, pretty small, but you know, enough people who are like into fitness kind of know about him. And it's a gym that's just in a warehouse. Like he started it years ago, but it's very much powerlifting. You could probably do anything you wanted there, but you step in and you automatically just get the vibe like, I'm not squatting, deadlifting, or pressing. Like I might, I might be out of here pretty quick. Lifetime is kind of, it's almost like a jack of all trades type of gym. To be honest, it's it's got your weight room, it's got your cardio section, but it really aims to be this sort of 
hit as much of the market as I can. We're a family-oriented sort of operation. We've got massive pools. We've got large locker rooms, steam rooms, sauna. Uh, like a, most of them tend to have like an in-house salon and spa. So like get a haircut, get a massage, a cafe where they've got their own supplements and they've got food that you can get before or after workouts. So it's really like, it's a pretty big corporation. And so that was a club that my parents had got us a membership to when I was uh, still growing up here in Georgia. And it was primarily because it was like, it was a catch-all, like it had anything. Um, Younger siblings could go there and hang out in the pool while mom and dad could go do a workout. I think for a period of time, I took some squash lessons there. So they had squash courts and basketball courts. It's another thing. So it's like, they really do try to hit as many popular activities as they can. So I remember just kind of looking into, okay, Lifetime Fitness is where I used to go. I always saw trainers there. Let's look into that. And it's funny, um, when I was in middle school, I took a few lessons with a, with a guy who was a trainer there, but he also was like semi-pro in basketball. So he he didn't play at the NBA, but he played at like the European equivalents, if you will. So he he was, I think, in Iceland and he he good good player for sure had the chops but um you know the nba and the the pro leagues here are just another beast right but so i remember getting a couple lessons from him and really friendly guy and at one point during our senior year he was he was the manager of the personal trainers at this one location so i just kind of reached out to him and i was like hey mike thinking about being a personal trainer I'm going to be back in Georgia. I would really love to work under you because I knew he was a good guy and uh, he seemed like the type of person who would be, you know, the type of personal trainer manager who maybe wouldn't be on my case all the time, if that makes sense. Because I think I'm just the sort of person who really values autonomy and just kind of doing doing things that I think I should do, you know, for better or for worse. And so I knew that I was going to have my own take on how, how I do personal training and fitness. And it wasn't going to be totally conventional. So long story short, reached out to him and we worked out, we worked out the process. I would come to the, to the gym and then almost like a last minute sort of thing, he switched locations. So he was in a bigger location that was like, had the basketball court, had the, the pools and all that stuff. And then he went to another one, which was still nearby to where I was, but it was, it was one of like two lifetime locations where they pretty much just had a gym and then tons of tennis courts. So it, uh, it, that's kind of, you know, to go into that as a little bit off topic. So I'll avoid that. But for the most part, it, it became an entirely different situation than what I initially thought I was walking into. So when the original club was going to be totally like very suburban, you know, you drop yourself into the gym at any location and, and you see like moms with kids in tow and they're bringing their kids to the daycare. They're going to try and squeeze a workout in. You go like at three or 4 PM and you get the after school rush with like kids going to swim lessons, kids going to basketball or squash lessons. You get like five thirty PM onwards, you get the after work rush, which is tons of guys going into the weight room or, you know, just anyone going to the weight room and the cardio, like, uh, it's after work, I got to do my workout. And then you get the like 9 p.m., which is like the late after work group or like, you know, I'm kind of only ending my shift or maybe even starting a night shift. And so I'm going to go there. Also, this club was like virtually 24 hours. At some points it was, but it was pretty much like close at 1 a.m., open at 4 a.m. So it was very, very uh, accessible to a lot of people too. So that was what I thought I was kind of going into. And then we shifted to this location that was in another part of town. And it was, the demographic was primarily older folks. So it was a lot of, a lot of elderly, but then it was still, it was still different in that there was a bunch of tennis courts. You had a bunch of younger people who were still in that suburban sort of age range and demographic, but instead they would come to like play tennis and, oh, you've got a gym. So I'll, I'll make use of the gym too. And then maybe I'd meet some people that way, which, which I did. And then you also just had like kind of people who it was on their commute. So they would be going, I think they would live in downtown Atlanta, but work up near where the club was for some reason. So they would go either work out in the morning or afterwards, dodge the traffic and then go home after that. So, you know, and then there was still a mix of suburban people but yeah, so that was kind of, I guess that describes a demographic. That being said, I guess if you were to put like, you know, one of the classic demographic, what's the word, qualifiers, you could think of it as kind of like you're just like general middle class. Like that's who I would probably bump into a lot of. But 
the club that I work at in particular, the, this fitness club, they also had like a slightly different membership option where you could be part of sort of non-conventional memberships, but make use of it. So really, I would say that I, I've seen just about anyone, uh, you know, and it was not sort of like exactly what I thought it would be. If that's a kind of long-winded way of saying it, like I've trained some folks who are in their 80s and then I've trained like kids who were like, teens and you know preteens and then I've trained like you know totally middle-aged folks who are like 42 and you know have have the kids and we'll talk about like oh this you know this person's playing this sport and he's got a baseball game coming up and the rest of it and then um and then just like even like sort of younger people not quite as young as us um I have worked with some people in their 20s but really it's not something that I think a lot of 20 year olds like to, to gravitate towards, you know, they haven't, they haven't kind of hit that need, if you will. Um, but it's like 30 onwards, it's kind of generally where I'll see folks. With that, since you describe such a, a diverse pool of people that are in the gym as, and as well, part of your clientele, how do you sort of adjust the approach to like a teenager just trying to get into fitness to like this 80 year old, you know, like, I'm sure the motivations are different. They've grown up in completely different eras and their concepts of fitness are also the same. Like I'm sure a young kid is like, you know, they have Instagram and all these personalities in fitness that they probably see. And then an old person, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming, you know, I don't want to assume too much. But <laughs> right. They're just trying to keep healthy and jazzercise or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. And actually I think Alex said one other thing, which I forgot to touch on, which is like sort of building the clientele and, and this might go hand in hand. It might be something that crop up, crops up later, but um, it was from scratch. There was nothing that was like anything pre-set up. It was very much like I see a person in the gym and I go strike up a conversation, build a bit of rapport, and maybe down the line they they hit me up and they're like, hey, you know, I'll take you up on that free session and kind of go from there. But that's a whole other thing, like which maybe we'll talk about because that was very much a step out of my skin moment, a very much like totally adjust my entire thought process to being like oh wow i've got to like cold call people on the phone and see if they want to you know come in and do something but oscar to your point when i'm actually like engaging with someone that was something that was also a, a big adjustment period like it was it was something where i had to realize pretty early on and i was starting to realize it when i was going through the certifications to like be a certified trainer beyond just like the knowledge i had where i couldn't just go in with the mindset of like here's what I've learned from fitness. Here's the fitness I like to do. Here's the sort of things that I think are important. It's a lot of like, what does that person want? What does that person need? And then sort of blending it together. And a lot of times it's, it, it almost completely excludes what I want and value. And it's, it's more of like, where's this person in life? What's their goal? What are they communicating to me? What do I see in a visual sense? Like maybe they're not saying this at all, but I know they could really benefit from this. So I've got to incorporate some of this. Like 90% of my clients will do that exercise face pulls, you know, where you're, you're going like this, build out the, the rear deltoids, the, the, the scapula back muscles that are overlooked. And it's because so many of us are sitting at desks. We're, we're you know, working on computers. We're doing all these things where over time you wind up with the hunched shoulders and you're, you know, you're just not supporting yourself. They'll never think to ask me that, but I'll bake it into our program no matter what, every single time. So there's some subtle things like that that I can, I can do where it's just like this person might not know the significance. They may ask, they may not, but you know, we'll, we'll throw certain things in there, but then almost always they're going to come with a, with a pointed thing that they want. So like Oscar's right. The younger kids might say something like been, I've been watching, you know, so-and-so on Instagram or fitness. And it's like, you know, I want to, want to put on some mass. I want to gain 10 pounds or 15 pounds. And I've heard some things that are reasonable, some things that are a little ridiculous, but it's like, you gotta, you know, you just, you just take it as it is and you make sense of it and communicate with a person and break it down to like, okay, why do you want to do that? How committed to you, how committed to this goal are you? How frequently do you see yourself coming here and start to just kind of get some groundwork of like, I'll help you to your goal, but I can only help you as much as you let me help you to a certain extent, if that makes sense, you know, like if you're only going to come in once a week, and you want to put on 15 pounds of muscle mass, that's kind of an ask. Like it's, it's not really going to happen unless I know for sure you're a very motivated, committed person who like in the time that we spend together at one day a week, 
I can kind of convey the right information and you can take it and, and properly implement it. And you know, that happens and maybe doesn't happen so oftenly. Then you've got someone on the opposite end of the spectrum who's eight year old and their thing is more like, doctor said, I need to keep active. I don't want to have a risk of, you know, uh, losing, losing my ability to walk and play with the grandkids. So what, what can I do to just sort of stay active? And that program looks entirely different. It's, you know, we, we may not even touch a pair of dumbbells. It might be a lot more of like, what can you do with just your body weight? Let's start with that. You know, um, maybe we'll add a medicine ball. We'll do some sort of compound stuff that's not your typical compound motion like we're not going to do bench presses and push-ups which are your compound motion that us young ones like to do it's more like you know um can you take a resistance band and pull down on it with your core as opposed to just your shoulder so you know thing, things like that and and it's it's stuff that in the beginning i had to think and prep a lot more because I just wasn't entirely used to it, but I had the knowledge, I had the fundamental principles understood. So after a little while, it's almost second nature. Um, to give you a little bit more background though, there's also something that I don't think happens at too many other gyms or fitness clubs that, that I learned and, and implement here at Lifetime, which is an onboarding session. So every new member gets a phone call from me or an email that basically says like, hey, free one hour session. And usually it's like two because, you know, what can you do in really one hour? You got to follow up a little bit. Um, but a free session to just kind of like talk about your goals, no commitment. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to like promise me that you're going to sign up or promise that you'll even do the, the free follow-up. It's more just like, if you want it, it's a resource, you know, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Talk a little bit about nutrition, talk about, you know, I've never seen a piece of equipment in my life. What can I do with it? literally it ranges from anywhere. Um, and that's been a great way to kind of establish what does a person want to accomplish? What can I help them with? And, and through that process over, over the, over the time that I've been doing it, it's pretty much become second nature where like before I would be looking this person up in the system, maybe take a look at their picture, see what I could glean from that. Like, you know, maybe when they're going through the little tour of the club, they tell things to the sales rep. So that person will relay information to me. And then they might've already hinted like, yeah, well, I want to be better at playing tennis. I, I just can't seem to have the stamina to last through a three set match or something like that. And I used to do a little bit of prep work and write out notes. And now it's just kind of like, I got it. Like, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll talk. And within five minutes, I can kind of figure out what, what are the things that you want to do? What are the things you need to do? How committed are you? What can I help you with? Maybe I'm not the right person and I'll refer you to someone else. You know, would you benefit from a group setting class? Maybe you like group fitness as opposed to like one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm very much a one-to-one -one person. Like I, I can't, can't, I have, but I really can't do the group setting besides like um, something larger like Zumba where it's not too much of like direction. It's very self-explanatory. But yeah, did I answer some of your question, Oscar? I rambled a yeah, little no, bit. Yeah, no, 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 no. That was definitely key because I can only imagine, you know, it's good that there's this sort of uh, onboarding process because I think regardless of what type of person you're there, like having certain base questions help understand, uh, you know, where a person's coming from. It's like in psych studies where you always try to get some basic info on the person on like, you know, a seven point scale or thing. So I think that definitely shares in, yeah, it sounds uh, tricky, but it sounds like you've got it down to just like adjust on the fly at this point. And I think you said something key, which is, which is psychology. It's very much like, I'm not sitting there psychoanalyzing all these people, but it's more of like, it is very much sort of a little bit of social psych in the sense that you are really having to be receptive to a lot of things. People may say things in different voice tones and that's going to communicate something. So being perceptive to all of that, I think really makes it, um, has made it possible for me to connect with people as much as I have been able to connect with people where yes, we've gotten them to their goals and we've accomplished really awesome things in a certain amount of time. But what keeps them coming back is more just the kind of connection conversations that we have as opposed to purely the workouts. And sometimes it's even morphed where it's been, you know, I'll have a client who's very committed and they're coming in two, maybe three times a week, but definitely twice a week for an hour each time. 
and it's purely about the workout. We almost don't really talk about anything else. And then a few months down the line, all of a sudden, um, we're talking about the little league that, that his, his kid is involved in and, and his daughter's playing soccer and, uh, you know, uh, she had an injury and, and I'm very sympathetic and empathetic to that. We'll talk about the injury. I'll follow up maybe via text, like, Hey, how did that scan go? Oh, good. It's nothing major, you know, kind of building, building that rapport where it's like, it's more than just coming in and doing the reps, if that makes sense. Do you feel like because of this gym environment, people are intrinsically more open to sharing and like being like, more forward about their goals and motivations or like and if that's not the case how do you go about working towards maybe the people who are a little bit more closed off great question yeah i i wouldn't say that most people are open and i think that's one thing that i've maybe come to realize since being in the the quote-unquote real world just a little bit is that people do tend to be kind of closed off and 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 there is this sort of tendency where it's like we're all going about our own business or doing our own thing. And unless you have reason to come into contact and, you know, break a conversation barrier or whatnot, uh, you know, most of the time you're just kind of, you're just passing, passing by. But even when I'm in that sort of onboarding situation where it's like, Hey, it's a free session. We'll sit down and chat for a little bit. Then we'll go do some exercises. Even then people, some people take to it differently. Some people are very open and, and they're kind of like, um, you know, in a fitness aspect, this is what I want to do. This is what I've done. You know, what, what can we plan? What can we do? Other people are like, you know, it's uh, as the saying goes, pulling teeth. You're, you're really trying to drive the conversation and sort of throw things out there to even even get the ball rolling on just anything that they want to sort of talk about. You know, they, they give you the one-liners a lot, the yes, the no. And so one thing that I learned is you got to ask open-ended questions. Never ask the things that can be answered that quickly because there's always another way to phrase it to get the same information um, and to just have that person share or elaborate just a little bit more than the kind of questions that you could ask that are easy to answer with a yes or a no or a one sentence sort of thing. And that tends to get the ball rolling. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I forget who said this or, it, you know, it's probably just common things that you, that you hear at some point during your life. But the, I've, I've heard the statement that the easiest thing to talk about is yourself. And, uh, and I think that that, that makes sense in that you know yourself best, right? You'll always be the person who knows yourself best. doesn't lend itself to meaning that you're going to share about yourself all the time, but you do know yourself best. And so picking the right questions that aren't too probing, but, you know, kind of help peel back the onion layers a little bit so they feel comfortable to just, you know, say maybe a little bit more on this next question than maybe they said on the last one. Or here's a follow-up to something that they said or a follow-up to my own question, which allows them to sort of shed a little bit of light. And I think something I've also learned is people people will reveal things in time when they're ready to. I think, I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm tooting my horn just a little bit. Toot but, your horn. <laughs> but I do think I have a knack for, for reading people and, and just kind of like, hearing the things that are unsaid in a conversation, reading between the lines a little bit. And so in a lot of these situations, someone won't say something at all for a long period of time, but I've kind of known it all along. And I'm not so presumptuous to be like, I definitely know this is the thing, but it's like, you know, classic example is someone really wants to lose some body fat. They're, you know, just not feeling comfortable in their own skin. And that's a totally reasonable thing to feel. I think everyone goes through that at some point in different shapes or form. But I mean, some people will, will sort of like tiptoe around that for months and they'll even be training with me, but just completely have it under the guise of something else that they're trying to work towards. But really it keeps kind of coming back to that main goal. And I'll never like just, you know, rip the bandaid off or just unearth it. Like, this is what you really want to do. Or, you know, like, this is what we're going to do, or this is how we're going to work towards it. But, you know, little, little just sort of gestures that make it clear that you care and gestures that kind of show that you're patient about it. Like you're not trying to rush them to, cause you know, maybe, maybe they know, but they just, it's a hard thing to verbalize and you don't want to force someone into just spilling how they feel on that subject. But really that's the motivation that got them in front of me in the first place. So there is, there is definitely that psychology element where it's like, there's a, there's an element of respect. There's an element of really just trying to empathize and realize that like you're a person, I'm a person. 
a lot of life is a shared experience, even though we're so different. There's a lot of things that overlap and just trying to keep that in mind as you go about it. No, that makes sense. And it, it sounds like patience is such a key thing, which I can imagine because anything fitness health related is such a personal journey. And it's a sensitive thing. Like I can't imagine, you know, like even with amongst friends or family, like anything with like health and your fitness is always kind of a touchy subject. And I can imagine you being a, a complete stranger at the beginning, right? And then being like, hey, I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to work to this, like won't definitely come on the first conversation for the bulk of people. Mm-hmm. In a funny way though, because I'm a stranger, that makes it easier. Um, I would say that, you know, of course, it's going to take time for certain things to, to, to come to light or to be vocalized. But I think it's because there's no personal connection, there's no family tie to me and that person. It does make it easier for them to, to open up about those things. And, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's psychology is different. Where they are with themselves is different. Some people are, you know, it, it doesn't take them much time to be comfortable and be like, you know, I'm, I can't believe I still got this love handle. What are we going to do about it? And, you know, just kind of have that more, more casual lingo with it and just kind of like throw it out in the open. Like, yeah, that's what I want to work on. Like it makes me feel uncomfortable or, or whatever. Like I don't like it and I want to do something about it as opposed to like some people who will like very delicately try to hint at that as being the, the thing that they want to deal with. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. It's a very personal journey and it varies per person. I do sound like a broken record a lot of times on certain topics, most notably nutrition. And when it comes to just, you know, some of the basic things that you can do to just sort of help you get to where you want to be. Because, you know, as, as, as the saying goes, 80% is what you do in the kitchen and, and like you're only doing that one hour in the gym or one hour of workout that just can't offset the other 23. So, you know, it, it's kind of breaking that mentality a little bit and helping people realize like, yes, we can get a lot of done here and now. And I'll push you to make sure that you can really do your maximum potential here, but it's not enough to wipe out the rest of the hours over the rest of the days and the week and the months. Um, so in a way I do really feel like I am kind of that, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink situation where I'm, my goal is to be patient. My job is to help people steer in the right direction. And, you know, there's, there's certain elements where I have the locus of control where it's like, I'm going to tell you the exercise and you're going to do it unless you like physically can't. And so, uh, you know, there's even been some moments where I'll have someone do a, a prescribed couple of exercises and I'll think to myself like, yikes, I wouldn't want to be doing that, but <laughs> it's, that's how the relationship works. So, you know, they'll, they'll do it. It's kudos to them. But, but the other aspect is like, I can't be the person who's uh, at home telling you what to eat for dinner. That's kind of on you. And so it, it is a little bit of like that repetition, really being patient. And like, there's some people who will, who will kind of like take a long time to make even just a little switch to like introducing a protein shake in the morning to make sure that they have like something as a, as a before work snack. So they're not going in, you know, totally empty or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's a process. It is a process. One thing I want to hear memorable stories, uh, kind of, that's one thing that I think might highlight some things for, for folks listening on sort of, you know, I think one thing that I've wondered is those, and if maybe they haven't happened, there's sort of more tipping points where the motivation maybe lacks or your communication just isn't doing anything for them. Like, has that happened? Or maybe maybe you're, you're the master at it and the motivation's always there, but... Uh, I'm not that good. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. So so you're kind of, you're, are you asking for like the aha moment or like kind of when it really clicks for the person? Yeah, either when it really clicks well and like what that transition looks like or the kind of, opposite of that where it like they hit a breaking point where they like think they're doing well and then somehow you know maybe it just like you see them be like the motivation drops interesting yeah there definitely are are those moments and i think you know that has been part of the rewarding part of the process is is really that it, it is those moments that tend to have the bigger impact positive or negative but that leads to the growth um 
it I would almost say it's kind of it's kind of rare that it'll wind up being something like a person's come consistently for three months they're you know they're doing what I what I prescribe in the gym and they're they're putting the effort and I can see they're putting the right amount of effort and you know maybe they build some muscle for it like that almost it is a positive but it almost sometimes is not as huge of a moment as some of the other things that being said I think if I I have worked with a, a decent spectrum of, of just people and age ranges and whatnot, but it is definitely just by virtue of where I am and who, who, who even decides to sort of pay for a gym membership. It does wind up being people kind of middle-aged, like from, I guess, you know, as young as maybe like 34 all the way to like, I guess, mid fifties kind of, if you want to capture that age range as being where most of the people that I work with tend to be. So where they are in life and just the kind of things that they're working through is, is, is different. And it's, it's stuff that I haven't necessarily grappled with entirely on certain aspects, but you know, we're all human. So there's a lot of overlap, but in that vein, some of those moments have been things that maybe weren't entirely relatable to me, but I felt the, the sort of emotion and the real happiness that it was happening, like give given to this person from it. So one example, and I'll see how many I can pull, but like one of them was, was definitely this moment where um, it, it was a father and son actually. So they both came in for their onboarding session together. I did a little free session with them and they, they weren't totally sold on the idea. So I was, you know, trying to talk to them, see where they were at. And, and they were, they were folks that like when I, was going through that initial session and talking to them. I was like, they really need my help. Like I, I get almost like one of those moments where you go to bed that night and you're kind of thinking about it still. Cause you're like, you don't know if they're really going to come back or if they're going to buy into the training and, and buy a training package with me and do some lessons. Um, but something about it was like, I almost feel like I would be mad at myself. I, if I didn't really pursue to try and make something happen to help them at some level, because when they described what they were eating and when they described what they thought was just like good health and good overall fitness, I was like, Oh no, like this is, this is kind of off the mark here. And especially for the dad, like you could be headed to, to some medical problems down the line. You could really be faced with, for all I knew at that point, he might've been pre-diabetes or something like that. And a lot of people, I definitely have noticed this is a trend. A lot of people don't keep up with, with, um, monitoring their health so much it's always a sort of when something bad happens then we'll check on it and even then they might not follow through on treatment but it's like you know there's a lot of people who don't do annual blood work to keep a pulse on things no pun intended um there's a lot of people who who you know don't even regularly go to the doctor um, for a physical or just you know things in general um, or like they might have something that feels weird or like they might have like unnatural yellowing on the skin but just not go check on that and like to me i'm looking at that thinking like that could be a sign of some liver dysfunction or something so you know there's just there's that whole side of it but then there's also just like if you've already got a little bit of that going on and your typical breakfast lunch and dinner is baconators at wendy's all the time it's like that can only go so far so that was like kind of the dad and then on the son's end he was you know this this like I think at the time an eighth grader going into high school he was playing um a lot of sports so he was playing baseball basketball football and i could just see in his eyes that this kid was lacking energy like he was just he was there but he wasn't there you know like you could just see he was sort of growing going through the motions just sort of fatigued and i remember thinking like you're too young for that like this is this is not how it should be especially if you're a kid who's you know playing these sports and you're playing in the off season doing like summer football camps and, and training to work up to the football season. And then you're playing club baseball. Like this kid was doing a lot of activity that when I looked at him, I was like, how's your body coping? Then we talked about what he was eating and he was effectively skipping two thirds of the day, not really eating, having like maybe a, a after school snack and then going to practice on, you know, like having eaten some mozzarella sticks that were going to be digested really quick and also just aren't good fuel to go into a long training session with your baseball team, then coming home and practically just eating pizza or wings, it wasn't enough. And so um, long story short, I was talking to them and I called them for the follow-up. And like I, like I thought, I, I kind of, I told them my concerns at the end of that onboarding session, but what I knew I really needed to do was like kind of, chat one-to-one -one with the dad and say like, Hey, even if you don't care so much for the sake of your son, like we got to really 
get some things moving here. Like he doesn't like, don't even bother training with me, but, and, and you don't even have to buy these supplements from me, but please like consider taking X, Y, and Z, make sure he's, you know, going to school with some, you know, at least some BCAAs or something like that in his, it's a helpful way to, to sort of at least keep at bay your body breaking down the muscle that you're using to, to feed itself for energy. So, so I was like, you know, get him some of that so he can sort of just have that through the day, make sure he's having like a little bit of protein after he gets, after he gets back from his workouts. And then what ended up happening that I didn't really expect was that dad was very concerned and was like, well, I expected that much, but he was very concerned about his kids' well-being and wanted to buy into some of that. But he was more concerned about himself in the sense that like, he, he kind of, when I told him point blank, and this is one of those instances where I know I was just talking about not being very blunt and not like throwing it in people's face. There are some times where it's like, I just almost feel a moral sense of duty where it's like, if I don't tell you this and you might not be aware of this, like I'm kind of doing wrong by, by my, my job here. Um, and so I was telling him some of the concerns for him. And, and I think he kind of was aware that like, I'm not feeling so good. And uh, based on his job, like the easy way to describe it is he wasn't, he wasn't exactly a, a, like a, a trucker, but a trucker sort of schedule. If you think about that, like just driving a lot, a lot of time on the road, sitting a lot, extreme back pain. And so he, he was just like all in. And so he, he just decided like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do twice a week. Despite my schedule, we're going to make it work. And it took probably about a year of us, you know, him being consistent. Like he was one of those people who would like show up really quiet, would definitely do everything I asked. But, you know, for a while there was no conversation uh, until like I just started, you know, breaking the ice a little bit and just kind of talking about different, different, uh, different cases. And he was that guy, actually, I, I alluded to earlier about like, you know, talking about his daughter and her soccer and like his injury. And like, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of charming. It's kind of nice to just see over time where just trying to be a nice person, not really force anything, but just being a approachable, open person. Yeah, like he, there were times where like he would bring his daughter and she'd be like on the treadmill, but like, you know, he eventually like really made it a point to like introduce us like, cause like, I guess he's telling them about me and like, he's talking to me about his family. Cause you know, I guess that's been a thing that he's really committed to is improving his health. You know, a couple months in, we were able to get rid of his back pain, which was awesome. And he was kind of like, he didn't think it was going to happen. It was one of those like, holy smokes, I can, I can go through these multiple hour drives on a day to day or like couple day, several days a week basis and not feel so bad when I wake up in the morning, you know, prescribe some stretches for him to do nightly to kind of keep doing that. I think the real turning point happened like a year into his training, he was being diligent and he, he could keep up with his son more than he could in previous years when they were playing like one-on-one -on -one basketball and he used to be a basketball player in like high school so that was like his sport of choice and so it was kind of like one of those moments you could just see like the kind of happiness radiating from him being sort of I don't want to say restored to former glory but in a sense feeling like you know a sport that really meant a lot to him before that he couldn't really play anymore now being able to do that and play it with his kid who, you know, was on a high school basketball team and kind of keep up enough where he was able to still like, you know, do, do what he wanted to on court. And I think that was a really nice moment. Awesome. Sounds like a, something that started out as like kind of like a blaring, like red alert, but kind of developed into this wonderful progression, both in like mind and body. Yeah, I think and I mean, in some ways, I think for him, it was more like he was, he was pretty hesitant. He just, he, it became apparent to him when I talked to him in that, um, in that initial session that like, oh, I don't actually know that much about exercise and, and fitness as I thought I did. And I might actually, like the reason I'm feeling some of this way is probably because of some of these things that I'm doing. And I kind of know what some of them are, but I kind of don't know what some of them are. So a sort of hesitancy to really go in uh, and, and sort of make this a project for himself. Uh, there have been other cases though that were more, and I don't know how much, how much time we want to spend talking purely about like case studies, if you will, but there have been, been people who had, I think, more of a sort of mind body moment, if you will. Uh, this one can be kind of quick, I guess, but it was this lady I met and she was in her early fifties and she came to me very, very much with a goal in mind. So she'd been doing like 
high intensity boot camp stuff for I think five or six years prior to that was you know always doing that kind of thing and she was pretty fit among her friends and so she felt she felt like she was in a good place which she was um, but then she was like I really want to learn how to do a pull-up and that is a pretty intense fitness goal. Like anyone who's tried it knows that pull-ups are no joke. They're, they're pretty serious. And like, um, even if you can get yourself over the bar, it's one thing to do it once. It's another thing to do it multiple times. And then on top of that, do it with like decent or good form. And then, I mean, factor in that this lady's over 50 and, you know, it's just, it's not something that I commonly hear from women that they want to do a compound strength exercise like that. That is very challenging, but she was like, I think it's a good challenge. I really want to do it. And, and, uh, it was, it was really, really, uh, probably one of, probably one of my favorite people that I've trained and I'm still training her, uh, since that point, I think a year and a half ago, but, um, she was able to get it in, in three, three months, but she was, she was one of the people who I said earlier, it's very rare, but every now and then you get it where there's someone who I'll tell them what to do. And they're just like super diligent about it. They will do the thing and they're very motivated. And she was just that sort of person where we would meet twice a, twice a month to sort of do an in-depth training session. And then I sort of wrote out workouts for her to do. And it was one of those things where, in a way it was a it was a kind of a big big moment for me because i was tackling a challenge where it's like this is a tough exercise for someone who's never done this before uh to really do like all of her boot camp stuff is really not strength oriented it's more just like burpees and very like quick movements that don't build strength they tax your endurance and stamina stamina and muscular endurance um, and when we started the first session just to see where she was to try and hoist herself over the bar in any way possible, flat out couldn't do it. So I knew I had my workout work cut out for me. Um, but it was also like, you know, how well can I really put together a program that gets someone to a goal that's pretty tough. So it was nice to see it happen, but it was also just really nice to see her meet that goal because she kind of she was like at some point during the process doubting and maybe this is to your point oscar where like that motivation hits a moment where it's like yikes i don't know anymore or like i'm just not feeling it we're like halfway through you're just not quite seeing the progress that you want to and a little bit of that doubt creeps in where it's like maybe i can't do this maybe maybe we'll table this and just come back later or maybe not at all and and in that moment it was more of like an encouragement like i believe in you believe in the me that believes in you as opposed to like, you know, what you're feeling in that moment and the sort of difficulty with motivation, like you can do it. And so it was really, really nice to see her get that first chin up and then get that first pull up both on the same day, actually. So it was like three months from the start. And then of course it became like, well, I can do one. Can I do more? And so since then she's worked up to, to being able to do, I think, on a, on a good set, like 13 to 15 chin-ups and then nine or 10 pull-ups. And it's, it's one of those things where, where like, I never would have predicted that I would have had that kind of person who A, had that sort of goal and B, had that sort of drive. And I guess C, had that sort of gusto to, it was to the point where maybe a couple months into her training, she didn't get rid of doing the boot camp but she would express on a regular basis how much she preferred our training to the sort of 6 a.m. boot camp classes where she's, you know, crack a dawn, get out there, push yourself, break a great sweat. For her, it, like coming into the gym and never really doing gym related stuff, for her, it became a, like almost like a meditation. Like when she would get up on the bar, just the thoughts, the mind would empty and she would just sort of become one with that moment, which is a really beautiful thing to see, but not not very often. Good set of victories that you were able to get for your clients. And I think like you said, Ed, you know, as we kind of wrap things up, I think a good way to say it is you were able to connect with them from, from the get-go and be there consistently updating your understanding of them. And especially I think helping them themselves understand where they were at because it's a transformation process, right? So it's like at each different stage in that training, it's like you're also... Uh, adjusting your mental model. Yeah, I think what I've what I've definitely realized is more than I would have anticipated a lot of what what I'm doing in that role is is really being a hype man for that person and really just trying to 
you know, always be in their corner and let them know that because there's, there's times where you don't feel like you have someone in your corner and you feel like that in a lot of different ways in life. But here you are in this thing where it's like, you're just lifting a piece of metal or you're just like, you know, doing a, a certain exercise or like, you know, a, a little like jump squat or I don't know, something very basic and it feels hard and you would give up on yourself but having someone there that's not going to give up on you is it's a it's a really interesting feeling and i think that's what that's what i wanted to do with this job and with this role and that's something that i think you know maybe it does happen in those instances that you see the personal trainers as you walk by in your own gym and like even though they're out there kind of calling out reps and you know do such and such there is some of that happening but you know it's one of those things where you don't really know that that's a an element to it unless you're on the receiving end and you're the one getting the training well thank you for uh for sharing kind of your journey into this process and into this world that i don't think you know most people at least we didn't have any idea what it looks like and so it's definitely another realm but it's glad to see that that human connection and communication is uh there so much much thanks on that and kailesh for uh letting us uh, hear a bit about that. But with that, Alex. Yeah, we always, we, always, we always close off our interviews with rapid fire question session. Nice, So nice. we've got six for you. I'm just going to kick this off right now. Biceps or triceps? Triceps, actually. Used to, used to be biceps, but it's triceps. <laughs> My man. <laughs> there we go. Next one. Static stretching or dynamic stretching? Which one are you a fan of? There's a time and place for both. And I think... Are you asking me to just pick one? I know this is rapid fire. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go static. Uh, okay, third, you can only have one piece of equipment to use forever, what is it? Chin up bar probably. All right, a lot of, you know, gym snacks and whatnot come in uh, these two key flavors. So which one would you pick? Peanut butter or chocolate flavored <laughs> stuff? That's tough, they're both great, but chocolate. Not related in, in any way to the conversation. We just had full moon or like a, a perfect thin cre- crescent. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Again, any moon is a good moon, but I, 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 not again. I, full moon has always, always been one that resonates. Yeah. Oscar, last one. All right. To wrap it up and send us home, Kailesh, uh, best brand and type of vegan slash vegetarian food to bulk on. Best brand. Either best brand or best type that you would say this is this is a go to in the vegan vegetarian uh, bulking category. <laughs> so actually, I it's darn man, these are hard rapid fire questions. <laughs> I don't do well with rapid fire in general because there's always a reason and rationale. But if I'm gonna go with like, I'll be unconventional here. So uh, I'm gonna say like a food. But it's not gonna be it's not gonna be like a supplement or like a thing you're thinking of. It's gonna be protein. I actually happen to have some here. Tempeh. So um, tempeh has been a, a food that I've really gravitated to 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 kind of get that high protein content as well as just other benefits. Um, it's a it's a fermented food too, so you get some of that nice little microbiome stuff going. But um, but yeah, I'm all, I'm all about the the whole foods stuff. Definitely, like there's a time and place for the supplements. But if you are trying to trying to add some mass, this is more calorically dense, and you get some good protein. There we have it, folks. Rapid fire with Kailash. Words of wisdom with Kailash. Good lucks with Kailash. Thank you, Kailash. Yeah, and thank you for having me. Thanks for asking. It's you know it's stuff that most people really wouldn't ask. Peace. <laughs>